It's time to create better. Create better family, health, business, and self. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, health, business, and self. Today, we're going to talk about an issue that has been on the surface of everyone's conversation over this past 20 months of of, uh, the pandemic and COVID, and that is mental health. But we're going to narrow it down to kids and mental health and teens and youth and mental health, because you know what? They are our future, and right now, the statistics are showing that it's 1.2 million children and youth in Canada that are affected by mental health issues. And by the age of 25, 20%, that's one in one in five humans, young adults will be diagnosed with a mental health um, issue. And so whenever these topics arise of how to raise kids, how, how, what should I do to have a better human, a more confident human? I think of my wonderful dear friend, Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. Now this woman, if, if you see her right now because she is on a video Zoom with me, she just lights up the room, any room that she enters. Look at her smile. <laughs> she is a mom. She has two amazing boys. She's a registered psychologist, parenting educator, best-selling author, international speaker. She is also the founder and director of the Wishing Star LaPointe Developmental Clinic, And she has been supporting families and children for almost 20 years. Now, Dr. Vanessa, she is known for helping big people to really see the world through a child's eyes. She believes that if we can do this, if we can see the world through our kids' eyes, we are beautifully positioned to grow our children up the best possible way. And I love this human. (laughs) Dr. Vanessa, say hello. Hello, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always magical to be in your presence. You are lovely. And we were reminiscing before we started recording of of how we met. And that was, oh my goodness, I don't know, like I'm going to say over 10 years ago. Yeah, probably 12 or 13 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, it was like a a fair for kids. And and I was selling Easy Daisies, my daily visual schedules, and here this beautiful child psychologist came over and shared how much she loved and totally saw the necessity of, of a daily visual schedule. Whole other conversation right there. But but how are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. The sun is shining and all is well in my world. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. And I love everything that you do and stand for. And every time you speak so much wisdom and I'm really honored to have you on this podcast. And I know that COVID and pandemic has made mental health issues more prominent and upfront and not that they didn't exist before, but people are talking about it more, I think, because we are at home, we see our kids more, um, people are isolated or have been and, and issues have come about. And I wanted to ask you, 
What are some of the most common mental health issues that children are dealing with today? Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen a really interesting trend, actually, Lena, is that we're calling it the K curve because there's actually a subpopulation of kids who previous to the pandemic were really struggling with things like anxiety and depression and through the course of the pandemic have fared very well. We think because their lives, the volume button got turned down and they got to spend all of this glorious time at home with their families. So that's something that we can shine a positive light on. On the other hand, there's a curve that's trended down very sharply. And that I think is why this topic of mental health is so much at the forefront of our minds and in our conversations where there there is um, a subsection of the population that has really, really struggled through the course of the pandemic. And what we see in those groups of kids, um, generally speaking, and specifically what we've seen coming through our doors at the clinic is an incredible amount of anxiety that's manifesting in a lot of interesting ways. Uh, we see disruptions in mood, um, including depression and um, increased suicidality. Mm -hmm. uh, kids thinking about those kinds of things. Um, we've actually seen quite a bit of an increase in terms of eating disorders over the course of the pandemic. Um, related to anxiety, we've seen a, a, a sharp uptick in obsessive compulsive kinds mm -hmm. of behaviors. And generally kids who are presenting as uh, very challenged to focus and unable to kind of get momentum going. We could call that ADHD, but probably more aptly, it would be um, better terms as just general dysregulation. What, what, what did you call it? General? Dysregulation. So the brain dysregulation. is in a wow. regulated state. And when you're in a dysregulated state, your job is to survive, which means your brain goes into a scan and search kind of mode rather than focused and concentrated. Um, and then, you know, kids are having to pretend to do school and all these other things. And it's been very challenging. And, and parents are pretending to do work. <laughs> yes, That's right. It okay. is. It's, I, I actually will say that I don't think I've ever heard of that term, general dysregulation, <laughs> separate from ADHD, just a, a more specific uh, need to try to focus on something that they're yeah, supposed to do. I think it gets very regularly misunderstood and labeled as ADHD, but if we were to sort of peek underneath the surface of that and really understand where that presentation of inattentiveness and, and a lack of motivation and all of those kinds of things where it's coming from, it's coming from this state wow. of this like vibrational, you know, kind of energy. Wow. That is very insightful. That's something I'm sure our listeners are listening going, huh, I think I might recognize that in our home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. The lack of motivation, that's a key key one that people forget. They just think it's multi-distractions, but it's lack of motivation okay. to, to get going. Yeah. While we are actually talking about that, just to throw a side curveball on that. So if if we see this in our child, that lack of motivation to, to get into their schoolwork or do what they're supposed to do, is there like a, a, a quick tip or strategy mm. to, for us to say, hey, let's pause and let's address it? Yeah, because the temptation is often to go 
directly to the symptom to try and push through the task or push through the activity. But we're actually better served to go deeper underneath the surface to the root cause. The root cause in this case would be this dysregulated nervous system. And we know from the science of child development that the ultimate antidote to a dysregulated nervous system is actually connection, emotional human uh, relational connection. And so in fact, what we wanna do if our kids are struggling with these kinds of things is retreat. And we want to scoop them up and we want to have some really focused, targeted time of listening to them, having them feel seen and heard, connecting mm. with them, deepening the relationship and watching that nervous system just come to rest wow. and see what's possible from there. Wow. So would you say like, just, just remove that child from that task, that, that circumstance and just take them and go do something else like go make a sandwich together or or just like say hey you know what let's go play go fish together for a moment like like just shift gears shift gears and really honor them in the experience of what it is that they're going through I can see that this is really hard for you sometimes our brains just don't want to focus and that can be so tricky and I know a way that might help make it feel better take my hand, come with me. We're going to go on a walk in the forest or we're going to go, you know, something where you're connected. And if you can have it involve physical movement and if it just so happens that it also involves being out in nature, all of those things have been shown um, to be significantly effective in calming a dysregulated brain as well. And so get, you know, a threefer (laughs) relationship, movement and nature. All at once. Okay. Wow. Let's say those three things again. Relationship. Relationship. Movement. Nature. Nature. Relationship. Movement. Nature. Okay. So if you were listening and you wanted to to write that down, it was relationship, movement, and nature. And you know what I love about those is they didn't cost any money. They weren't prescribed that you have to go to some uh, pharmacy to go pick up right now. But just to remember, relationship, movement, nature. Wow. Okay, we can end the podcast. (laughs) No, I could talk to you forever, Vanessa, Dr. Vanessa. So let's let's hone into some of these. Um, in, In my conversations over these past months, these there's three mental health issues that really surfaced. And, you know, when I was in a classroom, I, I knew that, you know, so many numbers were working against our children, like one in two are coming from broken families, one in uh, four are dealing with anxiety issues, one in five with mental health issues. And, and the list goes on. So many things working against our kids. And then, of course, throwing a pandemic and and it's just different and and so much more in our face. And the three that I was wanting to touch on is anxiety, OCD, and depression. And I, I would love for you in, in your expertise and to give us a Reader's Digest short definition of what those three things are. Yeah. So anxiety. 
So anxiety in general starts with a child experiencing some kind of a, an ultimate experience of lack of control mm. and uh, figuring out ways to feel more under control. And sometimes that becomes very sort of obvious and concrete. And other times it's just burbling under the surface in this constant sort of agitated state. Um, the way that we would see that manifest chemically in the body is that there would be an increase in stress hormones present in the blood system at all times. Um, and we would generally see disruptions in terms of sleep, disruptions in terms of attention and concentration. Um, sometimes because behavior is communication, we see really interesting behaviors begin to seep out of our children. Um, and we can also see significant changes in mood, typically in our um, you know, preteen adolescent population that presents as irritability. Okay, yeah. That would be anxiety. Um, OCD. Obsessive compulsive disorder is actually uh, one of the anxiety diagnoses. So it's, it's under that same umbrella, but very specifically, it involves obsessions. So certain thoughts that are very sticky that you can't um, get out of your mind. And then you develop compulsions in order to um, cure yourself of the obsessive mm -hmm. thought. So if the obsessive thought is um, germs and cleanliness, uh, which is, you know, an interesting thing to be talking about during a global pandemic. Yeah. If the thought is germs and cleanliness, then the compulsion might become hand washing or might become, you know, a really ritualized approach to um, how you touch things or how you move through certain spaces or that you have to decontaminate clothing before you can do certain activities. Mm -hmm. um, so you have this obsession and then you develop a compulsion in order to feel more at ease about the obsession. The problem is you can never win the race. And mm -hmm. so you typically exhaust yourself trying to come up with compulsions that are good enough to beat out the obsessions. And it can be, um, you know, a, an entirely uh, defeating and really um, tiresome. Wow. Mm -hmm. Ah, my heart, my heart. I just feel all these, uh, it's yeah. very overwhelming. Very overwhelming. And and depression. Yes. And that's an interesting segue into depression because there is typically this experience of overwhelm in the midst of depression where the brain is kind of chugging. There's a general sense of feeling stuck. We mm -hmm. often see disruptions in sleep, either hypersomnia, so sleeping a lot, or you can even see insomnia where sleep is becoming quite disrupted. Uh, relationships tend to take a hit because um, kids especially, but adults as well, don't relate to the people around them in the same kind of way. Um, and we'll see cognitive processes begin to slow. So kids that maybe previously could have handled a certain social situation or handled a certain problem that had presented now might look like they're just you know, spinning their wheels and struggling to find their way through it. Wow. Now, there are so many numbers that will show that that it's it's not uncommon for children to go through any of these. Um, like, I think as an adult, we know that we've felt anxious daily, weekly, and there are times where we will feel sad uh, to a point we might feel depressed. Mm -hmm. Now, one, I think, a blessing during the pandemic is um, mental health issues have become more real and 
normalized in the sense of it's not like a stigma of, oh, you have mental health issues, but everybody has mental health issues. And, and your mental health is as important as your physical health. And I think that is such a beautiful um, normalization, I want to say, mm-hmm. a, a realization rather, that that mental health is very important. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's why parents and friends are, are talking about it more and not feeling ashamed or embarrassed to say, hey, this is happening in, in our household. And my the scary part is how do we recognize it? And, and not when it's too late, but how how do we recognize these issues? Like, and you could pick any of those three that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know sometimes you're like, oh, I can see the anxiety. Like, you know, when a child has separation anxiety, we can see that. But our, our children are also very good at, at not showing it too until it's too late. So how do we recognize these things? So I would be, as a parent, really watching for changes that make you go, hmm. So when a child, you know, previously was sleeping and uh, had certain patterns around that, and then it, it kind of seemed to, just like that change, uh, eating habits, just like that change, their mm-hmm. friends group, suddenly, you know, the kids they used to hang with are no longer coming around and they've um, retreated and have, uh, and seem to be kind of isolated, but it's just like that. Or if you see uh, other big changes in terms of daily habits, uh, maybe they had big interests in a sport and now they're like, nah, I don't care anymore. So whenever you see big shifting like that, anything that would make you go, hmm, you want to stop and think, okay, what's underneath this? Where is this coming from? How can we slow down time right now and really, again, retreat to relationship in order to see and hear the child Mm -hmm. so that we can make sense of whatever it is that's going on for them, whether it be, you know, the development of a mental health issue or a blip in the journey of life that's made current times a little more difficult for them. I love that. Like, okay, so you see an, a, a big change, an obvious change, because that, that should stop us in our tracks to, to say, okay, something's going on here. Then, then what happens? What, what do we say? Because, you know, whether it is uh, an eight-year-old or a 14-year-old, how do we begin that conversation? You know, this is one of those things where um, you really have to be able to read the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm often saying uh, for myself as a mom, I think about this. And I also uh, offer this out to a lot of the parents that I get to work with, which is as a parent, you have to show up for work, whether you're put to work or not. And that means that you are very available to the open door of a conversation when that opportunity presents. So in the evenings in my home, you will find me hanging around the kitchen because as Elaine mentioned, I have two boys age 14 and 17. So I know where the heart is in our home. (laughs) It's where the food is, right? And I'll just get busy puttering away doing my tasks, but I'm in that 
that communal space and I watch for the pause at the bottom of the stairs. Mm. And I know that that's my entry point with my kids because I'm around and I'm listening. I'm listening to what's not being said. Mm. Then when that opportunity presents, you you sort of um, creak that door open a little bit. And it might be something like, tell me about that. Or I've noticed this. Or, you know, I was thinking. And Mm. you drop a little seed and see what happens. And be very aware, unless we're, you know, talking about safety for a child, we don't need to kick the door open. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're not ready to open the door, but you've planted the seed. Mm -hmm. And so the next day or a week from now, they'll circle back around and and want to pick up where you've left off. And love that. When we're parents who are in the lead and full of swagger, we have that sort of deep well of knowingness within us, this sort of wisdom that lets our kid know and lets us know we're going to get it sorted out. Mm, I love that. Like just presenting a safe place for them to, to open up and to listen. I love what you said about you you're there and you're listening for what's not being said. I love that so much. And I, I liked your, your starters there of, you know, tell me more, or I noticed this, like with no judgment, with no, I'm here to fix it yeah. kind of attitude, but just tell me more. And, and you yeah, have that open door. As soon as we go to, I mean, any kind of shame or blame, as soon as there's even like a, a little hint of judgment. So fix it, shame and blame or judgment, shut down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such great points, such great points. And I loved your analogy of, you know, if you go to work, you show up, whether they put you to a certain task or not, you are there and, and just being present, mm-hmm. being present. And I, I love Dr. Vanessa, how you said that, you know, you'll putter around the kitchen mm-hmm. and, you know, and having that familiarity, that consistency allows your children to know, okay, mom's going to be in the kitchen tonight. I'm going to go walk by and maybe have that conversation with her tonight mm-hmm. uh, or maybe tomorrow. Cause I know she'll be there. Okay. And yes, I understand it's tricky, you know, busy schedules, life gets hectic, but you know, establishing a family time, a time when you know or allows your children to know that mom's going to be there, dad's going to be there in this room at that place at this time, and I can chat. And, you know, even when I was a classroom teacher, we had these weekly meetings that I called Thorns and Roses, and we did them every week, and it was one of our favorite times. Like, like I was always amazed, no matter whether I taught kindergarten or grade five, my kids, they loved the, our thorns and roses, roses meeting where we, a, a rose is when you got to share an appreciation to somebody in the room for something, anything. It could be as simple as, thank you, Billy. Billy lent me an eraser this week to, you know, thank you, Amanda, for asking me to play with you when I didn't have anybody to play with. But, and the thorns, now, you weren't allowed to pass on a rose. Like you always had something you should be grateful for because there's something very sad if you didn't have somebody to say thank you 
for anything, just be grateful always, right? And life is just so much happier when, when you have that grateful heart. But the thorns was something that made you sad that day, this week, because we did it once a week. And it could be anything. It could be that your goldfish died, or it could be you were sad because you thought you were having a certain sandwich for lunch and you didn't get to have that sandwich. Anything at all. Nothing is too small to be something that made you sad. Yeah. Um, and and we did this every week. And, you know, it allowed my kids to, to share a little bit more about them. And I shared too, because I'm a part of the class. And, and, you know, and that's, we, we role model all the time, even when we don't even know it. And so I think having that consistency, like you puttering in the kitchen, or if you're an educator to have that weekly slot and don't cancel it because they look forward to, to opening it up. Even if it's a child who says pass on the thorn, one day they won't pass and they will share. And it's so awesome. And but, that one day. I mean, I have had kids that I've worked with in my practice who at age 16 remember the one day in grade two when that teacher heard them and it saved their life, you know? So you can never underestimate the power of human connection. I actually just finished reading this incredible book by um, Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. It's a a relatively new release called What Happened to You? Rather Mm -hmm. than What's Wrong with You, What Happened to You? Mm -hmm. And uh, they drop many, many pearls of wisdom. But one of them, uh, Bruce Perry said, um, disconnection is disease. Wow. Wow. As humans, we need to be connected. We need to be connected. Absolutely. As you were talking, Elaine, you reminded me of something that I think is really important for us to land on um, for parents and for educators out there. When kids come forward with those thorns or when, you know, they, they open up a conversation or they say to you that they've been, you know, really down or very anxious or um, or having suicidal thoughts or cutting or whatever it is, mm. that it's incredibly important for us as the big people mm. to maintain our position of being in the lead in that moment. Mm. If I think back over the last year and a half and the kids that have come through the clinic that I've spoken with who have, you know, really heightened levels of anxiety, depression, all of the things that we're talking about. The number one thing amongst those kids is that they hadn't talked to their parents. Wow. And the reason that they hadn't talked to their parents is because they were too afraid of upsetting their parents, Mm -hmm. either because they thought their parents would be angry with them or because they thought their parents wouldn't be able to handle it. Wow. Wow. We don't keep a secret. A secret keeps us. And so when kids have to carry the burden of, you know, this really intense um, feeling of darkness on the inside of them that they cannot share with the people that are meant to be their most trusted Mm -hmm. providers, this is a devastating experience. It is the ultimate form of disconnection, which perpetuates the disease. And it makes anxiety, the depression, the suicidality, the harming behaviors all much bigger and much louder. So when your kids come to you, 
keep yourself in the lead. You're allowed to be human and have emotion, but you own that. And you take care of that for you and let them know that you've got that for you, that your job right now as a mom is to cry because that's what moms do. But don't you worry, darling, because I'm going to dry my tears just like I'm going to dry yours. Mm, mm. I'd like to dig more into that. When you say, you've said so many great things. I love that you said, you know, we don't keep secrets. A secret keeps us and, and that weight on a, a child, a teen, a tween to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm hurting myself because I'm hurt, but I can't tell you. And I want to be held. I want someone to lean on and, you know, and thank you for sharing how, you know, the number one reason that they aren't telling their parents because they're, they're afraid to tell their parents because they think they're going to get angry or that their parents can't handle it. And, so what do you mean by stay in the lead? What does that mean? Like, how do we allow our child to think, uh, know that we are approachable as a parent? Yeah. So the, the parent child, the educator child, the big person child relationship is hierarchical by design, which means that the big person is, is up here. If you could see me moving my hands right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the child is down below and not in a yucky Mm-hmm. way in a beautiful way that allows for the child to be emotionally and otherwise at rest because when there's a leader the child gets to lean in to the care and provision of the leader and so if our child comes to us and uh you know maybe we find out they've been skipping school or suddenly it's end of term and they haven't handed any of their assignments in And we go to, I cannot even believe that you would lie to me about these things. Or I cannot even believe that after all I've done for you, you've dropped the ball and not submitted any of your assignments. I gave you life. And this is what you, you know, we go into all of that. Now we're not in the lead because we've essentially flipped our lids. We've come into our limbic systems. We've become emotional. Mm. in a process of trying to figure out how to keep our own feet on the ground Mm. and our kid meanwhile is meant to be leaning into us in that moment but they got to lean in and it's like have you ever played that game where you're um, supposed to be developing team skills and you're supposed to pretend like you're a tree that got chopped and you fall backwards into your your team members arms and they catch you and then there's this big moment of trust well your kids are going to lean in right now Mm. you're or whatever it is that your reaction is and they smack their faces on the ground they don't come back around for a second go wow wow great analogy yeah they don't want to lean into an explosive bomb that's either an explosive bomb that's yelly shouting at them they want to run away from that or a jellyfish weeble wobbly response of a really snivelly um and i'm not making fun what I'm uh, landing on is what the experience would be like for the child of a mm-hmm. snivelly, sad, sad, cry, cry parent, because mm-hmm. that parent can't hold them either. And the child's like, whoa, mm-hmm. what is what's happening? <laughs> Where are the big people right now? Even if that child's 17 and taller than you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I, I, I like that uh, you said, I'm such a visual person. So I'm picturing that child is leaning on the parent because they're just needing that emotional rest. That is such a a 
beautiful picture that you're you're painting here and and there's supposed to be a little rest on us and you know like you know and I god bless parents because that's a big job is a big job and you know like you know I'm I'm always constantly because my kids are now tweens and teens and and newly young adults and and so much going on in their lives and and you know like even when they were little and and I I'm such a a person who likes to fix things and make things faster easier and you know and I and I've told myself for like since my oldest who's a daughter um was a young little girl. My husband be like, you know, keep the communication going because she's going to be a teen soon, and and you can't always fix things for them. Like, just let them make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Let them, let them, and it's okay. And and to you know, to bite our tongues sometimes to not say, oh, it's so much better and faster if you could do it this way. Like, why are you not doing it this way? <laughs> and to let them, let them learn this way, and mm-hmm. trust that that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Where there's darkness, there will be light. And without (laughs) challenge, there cannot be growth. Wow. Without challenge, there cannot be growth. I, I'd like, I know you just touched on self-harm and uh, this one's a scary one, a difficult topic. And, you know, why are kids cutting why would they do that? Like I, I, I can't fathom it. I, I don't understand it. But I, I, I've heard so many conversations in in my own circles, in my own world, and it breaks my heart. It breaks the parents' heart. Why are kids cutting? And and how do we have a conversation around that with them? Yeah. Well, there's a few things around cutting. Sometimes when the noise from our internal world is so loud and so unbearable, we have to find ways to uh, mute out that noise. And so it's similar to like, if you were telling me something that I didn't want to hear and I put my fingers over my ears and went la like that, because I want to mute it out. I want to find some way to just cover it all up. And so when the inside world is loud and overwhelming with anxiety, depression, these kinds of things, cutting can become a coping strategy for muting out the inside world. So we make it loud through the the cut so that we don't have to then feel all that seeds underneath the surface. It's a very kind of distraction from the loudness of the internal world. The other thing that we know about cutting um, is that when kids have had a history of trauma, um, which, you know, doesn't mean that they've experienced some kind of giant, huge, acute sort of trauma. It might mean that they've had some disrupted relationships with their key big people along the way. Trauma Mm -hmm. is different for every single person. And when kids have trauma of a certain kind and the timing of that is all just so in terms of formation of the nervous system, they can become um, uh, easily triggered into a dissociative state, which means they've kind of taken their minds offline as a means of being able to um, survive, cope with the daily reality of their world. And when you're living in a 
frequently triggered kind of dissociative state, you want to feel alive. Wow. And so when we cut, it reminds us that we are still feeling, we are still here, we are wow. still alive. Um, a lot of parents confuse cutting with um, suicidality. They're not the same thing. In fact, most kids who are cutting uh, are, are not suicidal and are not doing that as a means of, you know, practicing or getting closer to that experience of um, attempting suicide. Uh, if that puts any parents' minds a little bit at rest. Mm. Um, wow. And I think the biggest thing is to, if we find this out about our kids, oh, do you ever need to be in charge? Wow. Wow. So when, so many great insights there, that key one that you just said that it cutting is, is not directly connected to wanting to end one's life, mm -hmm. but so many other things like the need to feel like they're still living, mm -hmm. uh, the need to, to tune out everything else, the noise and to, to be distracted by this other loud noise of this action of of hurting themselves um which is just so painful to to know now what when you you know that uh, your child is cutting what do you do like do you like do you take them aside and and do that rmn which is what i want to call it now the 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 relationship <laughs> connection and the, the movement and, and, and nature, like, what do you do? Yeah. How do you talk to them? I, the big thing is you're going to talk by listening. Talk by listening. There you go. Talk by listening. And that means that your only interest in that, in those initial moments is to really have them feel seen and heard. Mm. And so there is a moment of being, you know, bold and firm. I um, saw when you were, you know, getting ready to go out to the pool the other day that there was some marks on the inside of your thigh. Mm. Tell me about that. Mm. And then they may say, what are you talking about? Da, la, la, la. Yeah, I get that it would be really uncomfortable mm. for me to say that to you because probably you've been trying to keep that hidden. Mm. That makes a lot of sense to me. If mm. I were in your shoes, I'd be trying to keep it hidden too. And mm. I want you to know, no matter what you ever say, think, or do, we are well. I will always love you, and we're going to find our way through this. Mm. And you can tell me about it now, or you can tell me about it after dinner, or you can tell me about it a week from now. And at some point, we are going to talk about it. I love that. I love that. Allowing them to, to feel heard. And, and when you are saying, you know, I get it, I, I would feel like I need to hide that too, so that they feel like you understand mm -hmm. and you're not angry and not yelling at them, grounding them, banning them from all their friendships and, and other things, but to say, hey, I'm here. I, I see you, I hear what you're not telling me, but I am here and I'm ready and nothing has changed because we are good. Mm 
Yeah. And I need you to know that. And I, I love that you gave them options to say, we can talk about it now or after dinner or in a week from now, but I, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. I love there's, that. There's also a space, a time. For example, if you found uh, razors hidden in your child's room, mm. you know that they're cutting. You will say to them, and my darling, part of my job as your mom is to care for you and to keep you safe. And so I'm not going to let you cut yourself. Mm. I've taken this out of your room and we can talk about how we're going to walk forward from here so that whatever is going on that has you feeling like you have to cut, we're going to get it figured out and we're going to find another way. Mm. I, I, I like that boldness of saying it's my job to keep you safe and I, I am not going to let you cut yourself is that what you said i'm not going to let you cut yourself because i wouldn't let anybody else cut you (laughs) yes and yeah yeah wow deep conversations here but very real and necessary so many great insights from you dr vanessa is there anything else you feel that we need to know as parents or educators on the topic of mental health for our kids. Yeah, if I were to identify or shine a light on what is the ultimate answer, we are raising children in a time of relative disconnect and isolation compared to generations past. Mm -hmm. If we're wondering why the numbers are one in five and one in four, and we think at this point post-pandemic or depending where you live in the world, um, mid-pandemic, Uh, those numbers have soared to one in three. So if we're wondering, you know, why is that happening? Why are kids struggling so much? It's because we are by design a social species. We are meant to live in contact and closeness with one another. If you look back over time, we raised our young always in a village where there was a whole community at the back of parents championing them and holding them up and stepping in as mentors and stepping in as um, support uh, people and, and really just weaving this gorgeous network of care around the family unit, around the parent and around the child. Today's children, by and large, do not have that experience. Mm. And our nervous systems, as a result, are a little fried. Mm. The ultimate answer is to find our way back to a guiding uh, source of connectedness as the way that we live, the way we set up our homes, the way we set up our lives, the way that we set up our communities, the way that we set up our schools, that the, the foundation of everything to do with raising human beings to become the very best that they were intended to be always comes back to relationship. And we have to get very big and very real about what that means um, for us in our modern day time. I love it. I love it. I love it. So many great, great points that you have brought up and 
that last one is the connectedness of relationships and like human connections. And, you know, and I can I picture like, you know, decades ago when families got together and neighbors got together and you felt safe. You can, I remember growing up and I would play hide and seek in the whole neighborhood with all the other kids. And we'd hide around people's houses and it was all fine and all good because everybody knew everybody. We'd feed other children and, and it was just safe. And you could talk to anybody. You could talk to your aunts, your cousins. And, and now there is that isolation. So let's break that and reshift back to relationships. I love that. You are amazing and wonderful, Dr. Vanessa. Now our listeners, if they wanted to find you and connect with you, where should they go? DrVanessaLapointe.com is my website. You can find links through to all of my social channels from there. I hang out primarily on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and um, my books are um, Discipline Without Damage and Parenting Right from the Start. So, yeah. Amazing. And I will have all of your links and website on in our show notes as well. So if you are driving or hiking and listening, please just go to our show notes at laneskitchentable.com and you will find all you need to do uh, to connect with Dr. Vanessa. Vanessa, you are wonderful and I appreciate you, my friend, and I wish you a most fantastic, wonderful day and week. Thank Thank you for joining. I shine it all back at you. Appreciate you having me on. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. It was a deep conversation today about our children and uh, mental health. Mental health is just as important, if not more important, I think, than physical health, because our physical health is connected to our mental well-being. And if we leave you with nothing at all, but to just say, hey, be present and enjoy that relationship with your child, your children, your nieces, your nephews, and let them know that you, you hear them, you see them, and you are there for them. So thank you. And God bless and have a great, great day. Bye for now.